Hello, hello everyone. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, we know you have a lot of choices in Vegas, so thank you. We really appreciate the fact that you're here today for this session. Um, today we are talking about uh, University of Arizona's journey to AWS Cloud. So back in 2013, uh, UFA started analysis and migrating their websites and student portal to AWS. And then a few years later today, they're talking about moving enterprise applications and PeopleSoft applications to AWS Cloud. So I'd like to invite Derek and uh, Lauren on stage. Uh, Derek is the CTO, and Lauren is the Director of Enterprise Technical Services. And they're going to talk about their journey to AWS, the challenges they faced, lessons learned, and how they achieved a successful migration to AWS. Derek, thank you. Thank you, Srini. Again, as Srini noted, um, sincerely appreciate everyone's presence tonight. We know, uh, you may not know, in fact, half the room may empty when I tell you that you're missing the vendor reception, right? All that swag downstairs. Thank you for giving up that uh, to, to spend some time with us tonight talking about our journey to the cloud uh, at the University of Arizona. So um, for those of you that are not our staff, might be half of us actually, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the University of Arizona. Uh, 42,000 students, give or take a handful, delivering um, or consuming, I guess, 300 plus majors uh, in undergraduate and postgraduate work. Uh, that's a pretty big job. Right in higher ed, a uh, pretty big institution, uh, roughly $2 billion in annual revenue, um, roughly half of that through instruction, the other half roughly through the conduct of our research. As Srini noted, um, a couple of years ago, we committed to being cloud first and to migrating uh, the vast majority, if not all, of our applications onto the cloud. Uh, that amounts to over 75 of the most, most critical central enterprise services that we are committed to moving to the cloud, some of which are already there, uh, some of which are mid-journey. So I um, wanted to, to just talk real quickly about the, the motivation, right? So why? Why did we go to the cloud? And the big thing, the one that I really, really love to talk about is the notion that that we took, and we'll talk in more detail about this later, uh, we took a process in one of our enterprise systems that used to take six weeks traditionally and actually started with no uh, and transitioned that to a yes answer, and we can provision environments now in six minutes. So we went from six weeks to six minutes. At the end of the day, that's what we're after from the cloud, right? We save money, uh, we transition capital to OpEx, um, we retool, we reposition our staff, all of those things are great things. At the end of the day, one of the key things we're after, and you'll see it, really is a responsive, flexible, agile uh, IT unit that can meet the needs of a, of, a, of a very demanding business, right? So our challenge, what was it that we, that we were up against? Um, this, I know for a fact, is, is unique to us, right? Demand for, <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. That, that was my only joke, and I'm glad one person got it. Uh, so demand for IT services increasing all the time exponentially uh, while funding and staffing does not increase, right? In fact, in many cases through the last many years, funding in particular is on, is on, the, uh, on the decline. 
uh, or at least stagnant. So uh, we have to do more with less. And when we have to do more with less, sometimes we have to, we have to change the paradigm that we, that we operate under. So why cloud, right? So we said we committed to cloud first. We committed to moving everything to the cloud. Um, well, why, right? I talked about it a little bit uh, not all that long ago. Agile, flexible, responsive, uh, that's what we're after. Uh, talk about time to build an environment. So in our, in our enterprise systems, uh, on-premise, when a unit wants, to, wants us to develop a particular piece of functionality or, um, or, or test a, a bug fix from a vendor or what have you, we generally have to build an environment to do that. We have to have the hardware. We have to provision the operating systems. We, we, there's a lot of work to do between the time when a user realizes they need an environment and our ability to provision. And even when we can, there's weeks involved in that provisioning process. Um, and when I say we, when we can, it means like assuming we have enough storage and enough servers and enough hypervisor licensing and whatever else. Um, weeks to month or to, to minutes. We we went from weeks to months, and and it was fantastic, right? <laughs> weeks. To minutes, right? Six weeks to six minutes to build an environment, and we don't ever we don't ever have to ask ourselves whether or not we have the environmental capacity, because the cloud has the capacity. We can grow into it, we can shrink out of it whenever we want to, so we can be a more responsive IT unit, um, and we can only pay we only pay for what we use, right? That's very very appealing in those temporary environmental spaces, right? We don't have to buy the hardware ahead of time and have it available. It's just there uh, when we need it. Um, when it comes time to test uh, for DR, being constrained by the hardware that you have, being constrained by the physical data centers, we have two. In some cases, we're pretty fortunate. I know folks that only have one. Uh, we can fail between our data centers, but that's, that's finite, and they're, they're very fixed places uh, in the cloud, particularly in Amazon. We don't have to be constrained by those same things. Right, we can fail from from one AZ to another, from one region to another, one app at a time. In many cases, on-prem, relying on the same infrastructure, often we have to fail things all at the same time. Um, anyway, agility, responsiveness, uptime during testing, reduced risk, resiliency—those are all the things that we're after. Right? They sound very appealing. They're certainly very, very appealing to me. And so uh, a couple of years ago, we asked Amazon uh, through their professional services branch to come in and take a look. There was a lot of concern about, like, will our workload run in the cloud? Will it actually, can we do this for real, right? So take a look at all of our workloads in our enterprise systems and help us ascertain which ones are ready and which ones are not, because we're ready, right? I went to a class, I got AWS certified, ready to go, let's just do this, right? And Amazon came back and said, lo and behold, our workloads will be fine. But, but we're not ready. That was an interesting realization for us, because um, we felt ready, Right? We had declared it to be, 
we're going to the cloud. It's just the next evolution in the technical landscape, right? IT people are accustomed to change. We live in an environment that's constantly changing. What's really that hard about this? Well, excuse me, lots and lots of things change when you commit to moving to the cloud, right? When the notion of of transitioning from capital expense, a largely capital-driven kind of ecosystem into an operational expense ecosystem where things are procured fundamentally differently, right? Things are provisioned fundamentally differently by the people who would typically provision them. Um, we, we were committed, but we didn't have the processes in place, processes, processes in place to, to really act on this, this cloud-first strategy. Um, our workload was going to be fine. We were assured of that, uh, but we had some growing to do. We, um, we had staffing. Our, our staff were ready, interested, generally speaking, um, but the skill set in the cloud is so substantially different than on-prem. They needed training. They needed time in the environments to get comfortable. Um, so as committed as we might happen to be to an aggressive timeline, we had to kind of peel some of that back and say, we've got to get ready um, to do this whole hog by training folks, by addressing and assessing our processes um, from procurement to security to, to um, well, just about everything about how IT is, is managed and provisioned uh, has to be has to be reconsidered or assessed from a governance perspective as you as you kind of climb up the curve. So that was a that was a really really interesting kind of epiphany for us. And um, at that point, <laughs> I turned it over, much as I'm going to do with this talk, to folks like <laughs> like Lauren Babson, our director for enterprise technical services who uh, has, has in the last couple of years fundamentally driven the charge uh, to really actualize uh, a lot of what's on our roadmap and kind of drive these commitments home. So with that, Lauren. Thank you. And that's um, absolutely true. We said, um, you know, we knew why we wanted to go to the cloud. We knew we had a, a strategy, um, but we didn't know what to do next. And so we put together um, the plan, our roadmap. And we actually started with um, our research administration. It was our first enterprise application. It was our proof of concept. And um, we really sat down and said, you know, we were due for an upgrade, so why not do an upgrade and a giant move to a totally different uh, infrastructure at the same time? Um, but it worked. It was successful. We, we really embraced the, um, you know, scripting, automating the infrastructure, and we um, heavily used um, Chef Recipes, and it, it was a success. And in the, at the same time that we were, that we were migrating um, our Quali Coeus to AWS, um, we were working on websites, Arizona.edu. We, we moved to Acquia, um, and we came up with some blueprints for some smaller things. And so we, we decided that we would have a blueprint for serving 
um, kind of simple static websites. And so we have um, S3. Um, one great example is that we had um, our BI running a report that really was was a, a syllabi for our courses, and that would simply um, kind of deploy to S3 and serve as a as a web page. And so we were able to kind of use these blueprints for for kind of easy standard type things like that. Um, we at, at, at the same time, unfortunately, um, also probably something no one else has to deal with, a denial of service attacks. And what we found was that um, we had really no way to communicate when all of our on-prem infrastructure um, was down or was, you know, was degraded. Um, and so we created um, this IT outage communication and really stood up a SNS um, service and provided a way for um, for a, a web page and for subscription kind of base notification so that we were able to get the information out to, to people on campus um, when there were downtime situations where we wanted to notify people um, and we just had no way to actually do that. So it, it also feeds to uh, our Twitter feed and things like that, but it also provided a way for people to subscribe and, and get notifications however um, was best for them. Um, so we have three pillars, um, uh, our, our PeopleSoft, we have ELM, which is their enterprise learning management, we have HCM, human capital management, kind of the HR um, payroll benefits, and we have um, Campus Solutions, which is our student administration. And that is around 70 servers and um, about 20 terabytes. Um, and it was, it is on aging infrastructure. And so um, our infrastructure folks, a lot of them in the room today, um, kept warning us that, you know, we, our risks were increasing um, because our, our infrastructure was, um, was aging and we needed to do something about it. But every time the, the costs came in, um, you know, we wanted to rework them and, and figure out a way to, you know, do it less, less expensive. And, and really we, we just kind of, we, we weren't necessarily thinking cloud for sure, um, but it, we definitely had it in the, in the back of our mind. So we, we actually partner with a, with a company called Burgundy who, who does our um, environment management for, for these PeopleSoft um, products. And, um, and one, of our, one, of the, one of the Burgundy folks came to us and said, look, we're not kind of getting anywhere. How about we just, we just go see if we can make this work in the cloud. And, you know, basically what, what, what he was saying was, we're, there's no harm in, in trying. Let's try to figure this out. Because, again, if we stay on-prem, um, if we're trying to figure out, you know, cheaper solutions on-prem, we're going we're gonna to run into something. Our risks are going to be high. So, so he really, you know, he really sold it. We kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, that's, let's do that. Um, and we, we basically had a, a small group of, of, you know, really smart, dedicated um, people who are just meeting once a week on Tuesdays, figuring this thing out, architecting, um, rolling this out. And our first um, rollout is um, our PeopleSoft ELM, um, and that is in testing stages right now. And so um, we 
kind of used all of the um, all of the features. So funny story was that when we first started, this the same guy is the um, database administrator, and he was very much thinking in the beginning that he was going that we were going to set up EC2 instances and set up Oracle Rack on those EC2 instances. And as we kind of went through the process, he kind of slowly but surely converted to to RDS. Um, and when I asked him, I actually texted with him yesterday, and I said, you know, what what made you kind of change your mind? Um, and it was really those um, being able to build up the database, tear it down, backups, um, restores, all of those, you know, quick, easy things that that AWS um, that AWS makes easy, and you know, we kind of had a side note that he he the thought of um, maintaining uh, Oracle on EC2 right now kind of makes him cringe. So he really went from all the way, you know, one way as he learned, you know, what RDS can do. He kind of converted over um, to a totally different way of thinking. So so we've learned a lot on the way um, of, of this of this. And um, and so now we're moving all of our you know enterprise services. Identity management is is next. You know we have to we have to authenticate in the cloud. We can't be using um, on-prem authentication when our services are in the cloud. And we also have a financial system, Quali Financials, that's due to um, move to AWS in spring. So we have just a couple projects underway. <clears throat> um, I have notes. So we had the, this beginnings of the plan. We had a roadmap, um, and how what we decided to do is tie it all together with a you know with a big project. Um, so we we created a project called we called Cloudprise, and it's moving our enterprise services to the cloud. Um, and it's really a kind of a program. It's a giant giant project of many projects or of even big projects. And what we did was we put this huge um, visual display of University of Arizona with all of these uh, hot air balloons. Not my idea. It's a great idea. Um, I think last year at reInvent, I, I attended a session where um, one of the universities was was actually moving into their data centers where they had cowbells that were representing every time um, a service moved, and just some way to to show progress and to actually show and communicate what was happening. So we have this giant board in uh, in in one of our halls, and the people on project teams actually go and kind of move their their hot air balloon up, and it ascends, you know, as it goes from kind of the planning stages to to testing, um, to in process to testing, and then when it when it reaches the cloud. So it was a I definitely recommend something to show progress. We don't send a lot of emails um, about the progress, but we do have something that's visual that people can see. So we have a plan. We have a bunch of applications and services moving, um, but what about the operations? What about all of the things that we need for all of those services. Um, the processes and procedures and the technical pieces when you're on-prem are all pretty well established. Um, P 
people you know know how to stand up in environments and they know kind of how to do all, all of the things that that they've been doing um, and then you move you, you say cloud and it's like a tornado hit and there's there's all of these things that you have to figure out from scratch there's you know maybe maybe coming here is a rule book but there's no you know there's no rule book um, so you you could end up with something like this where you have each application and now you have these things um, how, how is your application going to send email? What are you going to do about logging, monitoring, and alerting? What's your security model? Um, you know, all of the things here. And so what, what we could easily end up with is something like this. We have extremely smart people, problem solvers, and application teams. And so what we could easily end up with is a solution per team or per service. And we're an enterprise organization. Um, we really need to be. We don't have. You know, that'd be an a, a extremely high cost to to have kind of um, a solution per application. So, what we did was created um, a version of a cloud center of excellence. So, a, a center of excellence is is. A group, just as just a definition, a group that leads an organization in some particular area of focus. Um, and so, a cloud center of excellence. Um, we actually were we formed the group, and they self-named uh, ourselves the um, cloud advisory team. Um, but the goal, one of the goals, is of that team is to have something like this, where you really have all of your strategies and your models across all of your services, um, as close as possible. I mean, there's still going to be exceptions, but as close as possible, you have um, you have solutions across the board. Um, on that cloud center of excellence, what we did was we, we pulled people from different areas of our central IT organization together um, so that we had we had some people that had been working uh, with cloud for a long time, and we had people that hadn't really been involved um, yet, but kind of needed to be like networking area or the web team, and, and really had a representative from different areas and kind of join this, um, this team. And this next slide makes, makes me laugh because, so I love working at the University of Arizona, but decision-making, is um, well, so this slide was about 20 more boxes and arrows, and then when AWS technical folks got it, they 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 cleaned it up because they said you know people wouldn't un, you know wouldn't be able to follow. I was like, that's the point. People can't follow the decision making process at the university at probably at lots of places. So so really this isn't meant to actually show a decision making process, but that's kind of how it, how it is. And the more complicated the decision, um, the more people end up, you know, being asked and you know input and things like that. So um, so even so someone would come up with a with a question or a, you know, can we do this? And we may or may not kind of ever ever hear the answer. So w with our cloud advisory team we actually did get it down to something that looks like this. Um, we do have somebody that has a, a, a question or a recommendation or, uh, or something. Um, it goes to the cloud advisory team, and it can be somebody on the team that makes the recommendation or asks the question or not. 
and then um, we can have technical people that you know come in and, and talk to it and there can be questions and that kind of thing but if there's um, if there's an expense if there's a you know financial part of it um, and, and, the, and the cloud advisory team does recommend that we do it it does go to one more group to make the final you know can we make the spend and then there's a decision if there's no spend the cloud advisory team makes the decision we really streamlined that whole decision-making process. And because we are having input from different areas, um, we're getting different perspectives. We're not, you know, kind of doing things in a vacuum. And it also it really increases that communication and knowledge because, you know, they go back and talk to their, you know, staff and peers and whatnot. And so, um, so it's really helped us significantly. So this is kind of the governance piece. So we had the, we had the, the strategy, we have the, um, the project, kind of the what are we actually going to do, and then the tie in the governance and the kind of operations side of it. The other thing that, um, so some of the, some of the things that, um, that this group, just to give you some examples, some of the things that the group um, have, have decided um, and we've only really been um, been meeting here for a few months. We started out, University of Arizona started out by, we're very decentralized. So I'm really talking primarily about the central um, IT unit. And we thought we would start out with three, three AWS accounts. We were going to have um, kind of a pilot or a sandbox. We were going to have an ERP and we were going to have a DR. In, in the beginning, you saw we had, you know, well, well over 75 even core enterprise services, but they, we were going to use those three accounts. Um, as we got further along, and our you know technical staff is trying to maintain some kind of security, you know groups and and management of these, it, it became clear that that wasn't going to work. Um, but who is going to make the decision of are we going to leave that model? We're going to abandon that model. We're going to do something else. How many accounts are we going to have? All of those types of things. So this cloud advisory team, um, a proposal was was created. The ad advisory team met, discussed, um, kind of came back with a few iterations of, hey, we need to, um, we can't just create lots of accounts, even though they, it sounds good. We need these these core things. What is the security model going to be? We're going to have a base security model across all accounts. So, so when an account gets provisioned, you're going to start out with these roles. Um, logging is going to go here. Um, you know, so we had kind of basic things that were going to be uh, on each account. We're going to have account stewards. So somebody is going to be actually accountable for the security, for the spend, um, for the policies. On the policy side of it, this group came up with um, the tagging policy. If you haven't uh, done much with tagging, I highly recommend you have a policy and you actually use it. So we started with we started with a policy, but didn't really enforce it. And then as you start to try to make sense of bills, um, you can't. And so having a tagging policy and then actually using it, enforcing it, is 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 highly recommended. Um, this group heard some technical pieces of you know how are we going to connect our campus to the cloud? What type of connectivity are we going to use? There's many options out there. Um, 
And there's a lot of things in the queue. So the big things are now that we've decided on accounts, what's the decision tree to actually create another account? So big things are decision trees and decision logs. How are we making decisions? And then how are we logging what those decisions are so that we can maintain this going forward? So we can create those processes and procedures um, in the cloud just like we have on-prem. Results. Speak for themselves, speak but Derek's going to speak to I'm them I'm going to speak for them because <clears throat> they don't have a voice that projects. Um, I, I want to point something out. This is kind of funny. This just struck me, right? If you follow this process, on the yes side of funding is required, over there to the right, the budget committee makes a decision, and then they implement. Apparently, the budget committee never says no. And frankly, the ideas are so good and generally so cheap and so much more compelling than on-prem deployment, the budget committee has yet to say no. So just to be clear, that is exactly their experience. There's not a no fork in that because we haven't taken that road yet. Ultimately, we will, right, because we're not flush with cash. Back to the earlier thing, right, budgets are shrinking. Um, but, again, these decisions so often make so much sense. By the time they get here, they're funded because they're the right thing to do. So, results that speak for themselves. Um, the interesting thing I was thinking about a little bit ago is that, um, that, that this journey is something of an accumulation of momentum, right? And uh, when we think about early on in our experience, we did things. Uh, we took an idea in from a customer that you know, prior to our ability to leverage Amazon, uh, we would have kind of laughed off. We just said no. We just said like that's too hard, or it's going to take too much time. Uh, one of our earliest AWS evangelists, who's in the audience um, at the moment, uh, saw an opportunity to say like I'm going to leverage one of these cool tools to integrate uh, this this tool that our customer wanted. They wanted to do fancy, interesting things with mailing lists that we couldn't do with our on-prem listserv. And so he did it, and um, he was able to kind of go from idea or suggestion from our customer to fully implemented production product within, um, I'm going to say, a week and a half. The, he, he probably did it in about 35 minutes, but took 30, you know, eight days for us to say, that's okay, put it into production, right? Um, you take little experiences like that and they build upon each other and you, you build up momentum and you build the use case. And eventually, um, it, it's this kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy, this, this thing that kind of rolls over itself. And, and you pretty quickly realize that you're going to need to get some of these governance things in place in order to really advance the big, the people soft, the Kowali, the regulated research, the identity management systems. And so, so um, you know, start small, grab some early wins, and recognize that this, this kind of governance, these cloud center of excellence, like do that as early as possible, but don't do that before you have any experience in the cloud. That's just kind of, I think, unreasonable. Um, our results to date, again, I'm going to hit on the speed and agility, really time to market or ability to to go from request or idea or our business, our customer, our institution needs a service, needs a thing from IT to delivered thing. Um, in order to, you know, to be able to carve any time off of that at all 
let alone experience exponential improvements in our ability to be responsive to the business. That's what we're after. Going from six weeks to six minutes. Um, I would love next year to come back and say we went from six minutes to six seconds. I don't know that we can really provision RDS that quickly, but, but um, that's what we're after, right? Constant, continual improvement. But the exponential improvement that we've gotten uh, out of out of things like cloud formation and EC2 and ELB, um, just transformational in our in our journey, and they and they speak for themselves. They they add to each other. Success here adds to the adds to the to the to the demand to leverage that success somewhere else. Um, auto scaling can't say enough, particularly in higher ed, around things like. Our student information system um, at registration time, right? When we're building on-prem solutions in our campus admin or or student administration system, we have to buy enough hardware to service the four weeks, the eight weeks. It's four weeks, kind of per big semester, um, but the eight weeks of registration time. That's the heaviest time for those systems, and often we're buying many, many times more capacity than we need uh, during the normal course of business. So you buy, enough, you buy enough capacity to live through those eight weeks, you know, 44 weeks of the year, that capacity sits, you know, mostly idle. You, you, you try to do good things with it, you do dev test or whatever with it, but for the most part, you've, you've kind of you've been forced to overbuy because of the demand spike. With auto scaling, with the ability to scale up and scale down rapidly as you need it, like we can even do that inside of a day, ideally. Um, so we scale up when the kids are registering. We scale down uh, when they're not, and uh, and we only pay for the capacity that we're using. We only fundamentally have to manage the capacity that we're using when we're using it. That's transformational. Um, and this one, the ability to go from no to yes, I've hit on it a couple of times, but that changes the game for IT. It gets us back to tables in the business that, that or uh, invited to tables in the business that maybe we weren't at before. Um, when, when we were just, you know, doing the plumbing, taking care of the servers, um, you know, delivering the enterprise systems to the best of our ability, often we had to say no. We didn't have the time, we didn't have the physical capacity, we didn't have the storage or the servers to be responsive to some of those edge conditions that, that the business needs us to be responsive to. We can now say yes, and often we can say yes very, very quickly um, because of the power of the tools in the cloud um, and because of the power associated with having good governance and good confidence in our ability not just to do a cool thing, but to do it predictably, scalably, securely, um, yeah, and into the future. So, so again, they speak for themselves, but but often we have to stand up and and say good things about them. And now for some lessons learned. Lessons learned. Okay, we did. We have lots of lessons learned. Um, kind of put them in our, you know, traditional buckets, people, process, and, and product. Um, you know, people, people are, 
are really the most important thing. We have a staff of over you know, 300 people and they're experts in their field and they know what, uh, how to support campus and they, they, they've been doing what, what, they, what they've learned and now we throw in cloud and, and they're you know, completely uncomfortable and, and, and don't feel like they're able to support you know, production in, in the way that they're, that they're comfortable to do it. Um, so training, training is key. Career paths, um, we didn't do, I think it's still time, we have time to do that, but, but we're not doing this to, um, to eliminate positions. I don't think that we're ever going to eliminate positions, it's just different positions. So, so putting career paths in place so people know what their path is. Maybe it's something similar to what they do today, maybe it's something completely different. Um, but putting that together would make, um, I think, a, a lot of people more comfortable with, with the move and then actually then, you know, put a training plan together to, to get them there. Um, and community. So there's, there's lots, especially in higher ed, there's, there's lots of way to have community, ways to have community. I mean, there's, there's big things like, like reInvent. Um, we, like I said before, we are very decentralized. So we kind of put a campus community together where we have, um, like open forum or open office hour type things where where the IT community from campus and the central IT community can can come together and trade you know what they're learning and and um, and share you know I, I I tried this or things like that and so there's campus community um, there's higher ed community there's you know there's there's conferences like this but I definitely um, I would say that whatever you're going through, somebody out there is going through too, and to find find those people and and to and to try to collaborate as much as possible, you'll you'll be. We definitely are, are way further along by doing that. Um, on the process side, really to combine um, those, you know, the strategy, the concrete project. What what are people actually going to do if you just talk about it or just have the governance piece? There's nothing for for people to do. That's um, you don't spend too much time in, in either case. The strategy and the governance, you have to tie in, otherwise you're going to have kind of those, um, those solutions all over the place. Um, and then the biggest thing here is really to communicate and engage. Um, you know, the biggest thing is communicate what, what we're doing, um, why we're doing it, and, um, and make sure that people are engaged because you know, people have the, the best ideas, and if they have, you know, are empowered to, to try out those ideas, that's why we have those kind of sandboxes and things like that. Um, that's where you're going to get those those solutions that, um, at least for us, that, that campus really, really needs. And then the product itself. There, there are lots of, you can't keep up with the rate of change. I mean, AWS has, I'm sure tomorrow we're going to hear all kinds of new things that, that has happened um, so you can't keep up necessarily with the technology, but to, to try to kind of see, see as much as possible down the road uh, as well as what's available now because you, we were coming up with solutions that then, you know, the next day there was, there was a solution that delivered. So you can't get frustrated by it. You kind of have to embrace it. Um, and then cost. So cost was not on the on the um, most important by any means of why we wanted to go to the cloud, but we also didn't want it to be our reason um, 
that prevented us from going. So cost overruns are really easy to do because you, once someone has security and can do something in an account, they can do the something in an account and never shut you know any of the resources down or create more and more. And so to get a handle on and have someone be accountable for the cost and someone watching that cost is important. Um, we're kind of we're kind of just um, tackling that now because um, we because we wanted to make pe make sure that people had the ability to do what they needed in the cloud um, and didn't feel like like that was the preventative thing. Um, but then again, if there's if no resources ever shut down and more and more um, keep popping up, then then you're going to have cost overruns. Um, tagging it was we I talked about this before. Um, Tagging is really helpful for um, for billing, but it's also helpful for um, we our tagging policy that we set up. Our, we we do have a service. You know what what service is this resource for? We have um, optional ones for you know time to shut down the resource. What environment is it for? Um, who created it? Who's the contact? Um, those types of things. So. Again, it's a very different model than an, than an on-prem or a you know local um, implementation because um, because you can just create and create and create and and so you have to have um, something available to um, to let you know who created this and why. So tie back to a ticket, tie back to a person. Um, what is this resource for and what's it doing for us? We definitely did not want to run into the situation where, um, you know, it, it's a year later and nobody wants to shut it down because nobody knows what it does. And you, you don't want to be the one that flips the, the shut-off switch and, and lo and behold, it's, it was some major production thing that now you, now you just took down. Um, some of the other um, lessons are more in the what, what we can do out there. So um, one of the things I didn't mention in that roadmap was our um, our regulated research. We again that research institution and many of the grants require very uh, strict security compliance areas, and so. Thank you. Um, what we're able to do um, in GovCloud is really handle those um, those grants in that dynamic fashion, where you know it can be one grant, it can be ten grants, it can be high compute, low compute, and um, although we do want some you know compliance on prem, standing that up in GovCloud gives us the ability to to handle and be able to apply for those types of grants. So on the technology side or the product side is understanding enough about AWS to be able to leverage it for those types of things. Um, we talked about DR a couple of times. Well, our current DR, we're kind of in half and half mode where the on-prem, um, our users are still having to get out of the system and we're down for a day. And try to get a campus to all agree on a day to be down is impossible. It takes a year to get a day. Um, so the workloads and the services that are in AWS now don't go down for DR testing, and that was that alone was uh, a huge win. And so you know, as we move more of these enterprise services to the cloud, that's really a big win for for our customers. Is that it, 
They can work, you know, 24 hours a day if they if they so desire. Um, so that's the um, that those are the major lessons learned, and we're still learning, um, you know, every day. Um, again, I mentioned before, but I would definitely um, say we 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 really um, make use of the decision trees. We're not great at coming up with all of them yet, but to have something where you're making a decision based on something and you're not just winging it and you can actually point to it and, 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 and follow a tree to make a decision and then the log to capture why that decision was made. Um, those, those two things are, are something that we're, we're really trying to put in place and that kind of came from that cloud advisory um, team. With that, I think um, we're supposed to growl that I'm not doing. And <laughs> Bear down, right? <laughs>